Thank you, praise team. I appreciate all you do. Well, we're in the midst of um, our Immerse series. We've got one more week uh, of it, and we just completed our all-in series. I, I, believe, I believe these are crucial series and a crucial time in the life of our church. Uh, I, I believe for churches to continue, they, they need to, they must be. It's imperative that they are re- reproductive. And, and that doesn't just mean kids in the nursery. Uh, but that means people find a relationship in Jesus Christ. And, and I believe no matter the age of a church, a- as long as lost people are finding relationship with Jesus, churches remain viable. But, but when we stop reaching the lost, I believe the end is very soon near. And so these two series, All In and Immerse, are geared towards, number one, reigniting a passion for our community, for our neighbors, for our family members, uh, that, that people will find relationship with Jesus. And, and we set some big goals at the beginning of, of the All-In series or in the All-In series of not just money, and, and there's going to be an update at the end of this, this sermon on where we are in the, on the financial aspect, but not only the financial aspect, but the spiritual aspect of that. Uh, there, there's all sorts of goals we set. We set goals for new small groups and prayer groups, and there's money goals and increasing our responsibility list or our care list. But, but beyond that, we have set the goal of 120 salvations and baptisms over the next three years. That's a big goal. And, and that won't just happen because we want it to happen, but, but we have to plant the seeds. We have, to do, we have to be obedient to God. We have to follow God. God will bring the harvest if we plant the right seeds. And so all in, we talked about being invited, involved, and invested, and, and, and immersed. We've been talking about uh, commitments of being immersed in certain things. And, and the five commitments are, I will be immersed in prayer. I will be immersed in Jesus. I will be immersed in others, with others. And I will be immersed in God's agenda. And, and two weeks ago, Pastor Josh led you through the ideal of being immersed in relationship with others. In other words, if we want to be salt and light, we need to be salt and light in our neighborhoods, at our workplaces, in our homes, in our community. If we want to see 120 people come to relationship with Jesus, we will have to be involved in relationship with other people beyond this room. Now, now, the truth is, when we talk about that 120, I think it's easy to get caught up in numbers, but those 120 are your loved ones, your grandkids, your children, your neighbors, your coworkers, and so this is vitally important for us as a church because we believe relationship, life, and hope is found in Jesus Christ, right? You know, as, as I preached Bill's funeral on Thursday, as, as we will have a funeral for Mrs. J um, next Thursday, we celebrate their death because we believe in their death. They are still alive in Christ Jesus. And so what you do with Jesus in this life matters. And so as a church, we celebrate that and we emphasize that. And, and, and so we want to we take actions that lead to the kingdom being built. And so we are meant to immerse ourselves with others as we immerse ourselves in others. So since Josh talked about entering into relationship with people, it's important that we do not do this alone, but we do it with other folks. In 2013, I turned 50, and I know I don't know how that happened, that now I'm only 39, 
but in 2013, I was 50. I must have had a time machine or something. And, 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 and I had that midlife crisis. And I, I told Terry that I wanted to buy a Corvette. And she told me to go jump off a mountain. And so I went and climbed Kilimanjaro instead. And so uh, I had to train because Kilimanjaro is not, a, you know, it's not a technical climb. But not everybody that attempts it makes it. I think it's like 40%. Uh, make it who attempted as something. It seemed like everybody made it when we did it, but 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 it was only 40% is what the statistics show. In, in fact, before I climbed the mountain, the summer before I climbed the mountain, a Hall of Fame football guy, Ray Lewis, tried to climb it and didn't make it. So you know what that means? That means your pastor is tougher than Ray Lewis. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. Um, but it's, it's not an easy climb. So, I mean, I, I had to train. I, I had to lose some weight, you know, much like the marathon dream. I had to do some things physically in order to complete what I dreamed of doing. And, and so I took a lot of walks. I did a lot of hiking. And occasionally I would take Spencer with me on the hikes. Now, this was five years ago. And so Spencer was not a teenager. And he was more into the conversational arts, if you get my drift. You know, Spencer can disappear in the house for hours upon hours, and we won't even know where he is. I don't know if that's typical teenager or not. But, but when he was younger, he could really have a lot of conversations. And we would have interesting conversations on those hikes. Uh, there would be interesting debates, for instance, who would win in a fight between Spider-Man and Batman? Um, I got to tell you, I didn't know then, and I don't know now who would win in that fight, but we'd have those kind of conversations. We, we'd have to stop and look at interesting rock formations and interesting logs, and, and with him, I did that, but when I hiked on my own, I didn't. I had other scenery in mind. You know, the truth was, there were times when I was walking with Spencer and it was slower it seemed that I actually walked faster. <laughs> and I think there's something that we can learn that. We walk faster and better with others. If any of you have ever ran a, um, a marathon or a 5K or a 10K or any kind of competitive race or whatever, not competitive, but a community race, what I've always noticed when you run those races you always have your best time in the midst of other people because somehow it's, it's a lot more embarrassing to start walking when everybody else is, is running. That, that's one of the things. But we tend to be driven by those that are around us. We are meant to walk with others. We're not intended to walk alone. And so in this spiritual journey that we're on, you're not intended to do it alone. That's the importance of small groups. That's the importance of Sunday school. That's the importance of fellowship groups of any type. You are not meant to do this alone. And we're not meant to immerse ourselves in others by ourselves. Now, you find this principle throughout the Bible. You find God moving through community. You find this even in the very nature of our God. The very nature of our God exists in three, in three parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so God exists in Trinity. God exists in community. And He sends us to exist in community as well. And, and you see this in Luke 10. And in Luke 9, Jesus sends the 12 out. And we talked about this in our, our last series. And then in Luke 10, Jesus sends out 70 or 72 in pairs to declare the kingdom of God. Not alone, but in pairs. Now, it's striking from a number of perspectives. Number one, it's striking because Jesus does this before he is finished with his teaching. 
He has not completely taught them that they are not completely mature. He has not died on the cross. He has not rose from the dead. The Holy Spirit has not been given. So in a lot of ways, when Jesus sends them out, we would perceive that they're not ready. And I think the lesson is this. God sends us before we're completely ready. And so sometimes I think we wait until we get to this certain state or this certain level of status or, or we think we know enough, but God wants to equip us as he's sending us. And so maybe you've been wavering, maybe you've been waiting, but, but maybe God wants to use you now in your state of being incomplete so that in your service and in your going, he can complete you and mature you. But, but the other thing that's striking is he sends them not alone, in pairs. God does not expect us to declare the kingdom, uh, to, to work for the kingdom, to serve. Tell him bye. <laughs> Sounds just like Todd. God does not expect us to be lone rangers in the declaration of the kingdom. Now, now there's several things that happen and when you work in community, when you work with other folks and other people. The first thing is this, is others encourage. When you serve with other people, there's an encouragement that comes along with that. When you're up and they're down, you can lift them up. And when they're down and vice versa, they can lift you up when you're down. And so there's this encouragement that happens. And we've all experienced this just in the world. And let's say you go to a gym. You know, if you work out with other people, usually it encourages you to stay true to your workout. So, several months ago, I was working out at Anytime Fitness with Todd Clements, and he would be there like at 4.30. And I can't tell you how many times I dragged myself out of bed because I felt bad about leaving Todd alone at 4.30 at the gym. I finally got over it and stopped, but, 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 but you get my, my, my gist. You know, others encourage us. You know, whether it's working out, diets, you know, when, when you're in a diet, you know, this, this all-in weight loss thing that we're doing together, this doing it together oftentimes encourages us to do better. To, it spurs us on to more. That, that somehow we don't want to report that we're gaining weight when everybody else is losing weight. So others encourage us. And you see this in Scripture. Solomon writes, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls down, falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And so we're intended to walk with others because they can encourage us, they can, they can spur us on, they, they, they can give us insights that we don't have. The, the, the second thing is this, others provide additional gifts and skills. Now, maybe you're not familiar, my favorite movie of all time, other than The Passion of the Christ, okay, yeah, get that out. My favorite movie of all time is the, well, I forgot it, The Dirty Dozen. Who likes The Dirty Dozen? Yeah? Who doesn't even know what I'm talking about when I say the dirty dozen? Raise your hands. Okay. So on the work and witness trip, we were standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona, 
and we took a picture and you know, put it out on Facebook. The only problem is that half our group didn't even know what we were talking about when we were standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. And Dirty Dozen may be another thing that, that, that is a cultural reference beyond some of your times. In the Dirty Dozen, there's these prisoners that, that come together that have particular gifts and skills that when they come together as a team, they're able to accomplish far more than they could as individuals. And we see this in the team all the time. And when we think about football teams, football teams are a collection of people with particular skills, but those particular skills begin to complement one another so they can accomplish more together than they can apart, right? And so when we work with other people, their gifts and their skills begin to work with our gifts and our skills, and we can do more than we can by ourselves. Let's use the example of introverts and extroverts. Who's an introvert in here? Raise your hand. Okay. Who's an extrovert in here? Raise your hand. All right. Uh, if you're an extrovert and you're raising your hand, you're really extroverted. Okay. So, so imagine if you're an introvert, if you're an introvert, one of the worst things when pastors talk about evangelism and sharing the gospel and reaching strangers and reaching lost people, your stomach is tied up in knots as you begin to think about it, right? <laughs> You know, what happens? We send a bunch of introverts out to reach the lost. They all huddle together and they're afraid, right? But what, what about extroverts? The extroverts are more able to engage people in conversation. You know, there, there, there's some folks in this room that you're so extroverted that you could engage a door in conversation, right? I mean, you can start a conversation with anyone, anytime. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I, I you know, I, I, I am a little bit envious of these pastors that are more extroverted. You know, they, they go into a room and they just like, you know, they know everybody instantly where I feel like I'm sitting as a, in the corner as a wallflower. And, you know, it's sometimes hard for me to break through that. Brother Hiley, who was a pastor at, at Carthage and actually was instrumental in Terry's dad coming to relationship with Jesus Christ, he was classic extrovert. I mean, he's done like every funeral in Cincinnati because he knows everybody. And I'm always envious of him. And, 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 and you know, that, that skill to connect with people. But maybe you're an introvert. And maybe it's not easy for you to connect with people, but once you connect, you can drive a conversation very deep, very quick. What would happen if an extrovert and an introvert that could have deep conversations would partner together in the harvest? The one creates the connection, and in that connection, the introvert is able to drive the conversation somewhere deeper and more meaningful. See, I believe when we work with others, we are more effective. Others increase our web of connections. Anybody familiar with the game Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? Anybody ever play Six Degrees of Kevin? Anybody even know who Kevin Bacon is, okay? Kevin Baker, Bacon is the actor in probably the greatest movie of the 20th century, Footloose. Um, that, that's tongue-in-cheek. Uh, but, but there's a game that they play called The Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, and it's connecting someone in a movie star with Kevin Bacon in less than six, six connections. So let, let, let's think. 
My favorite movie star is John Wayne, right? John Wayne's the, the greatest movie star. Every movie he plays John Wayne, but I like John Wayne, okay? So, so how can you connect Kevin Bacon to John Wayne in less than six movies? You can do it in three, actually. Ed Asner was in JFK with Kevin Bacon, and Ed Asner was in Rio Bravo with John Wayne. So that, that's how the game works, okay? But, but that game, it's just not about movie stars in life, they say that we can connect with almost anyone in the world in around six connections. You say, Pastor, how can that be? Um, who's the president of North Korea? How do you say his name? Everybody, everybody just kind of mumbled. Uh, in the first service, they called him Rocket Man. <laughs> I can connect to him in less than five connections. You say, Pastor, how will you do that? Okay. Jerry Lucas. Remember Jerry Lucas? If you don't remember him, he remembers you, okay? He was here, uh, and Jerry Lucas sat on the couch in my living room and watched Ohio State play Wisconsin. One of my favorite memories of all time, watching basketball with Jerry Lucas, and he didn't think the Buckeyes were very good. I'll just tell you that. Jerry Lucas was on the Johnny Carson show multiple times. Right? You guys probably saw Jerry Lucas at some point on Johnny Carson. If you don't know who Johnny Carson is, he was the earlier Jay Leno. If you don't know who Jay Leno is, just fill in the new talk guys. I don't even know who the current talk guys are. So he's on Johnny Carson many times. Arnold Schwarzenegger was on the Johnny Carson show several times. Arnold Schwarzenegger was also on Donald Trump's The Apprentice. And Donald Trump just met with... <laughs> two months ago. And, and the truth is, probably, if I really knew the extent, that, that's just the, the public, uh, just a short survey. If I really knew the connections those folks had, I could probably connect a lot sooner than six connections to the president of North Korea. And, and that affects all of us. All of us worldwide have relationships that connect us with other folks. Now, in the Bible, how's this work? Jesus says, he makes, he calls them to be fishers of men. In Matthew 4, 18 through 22, the scripture says this, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Now, think about this. What did they leave when Jesus called them to follow? Did they leave fishing poles or nets? They left nets. And so the context of what Jesus is saying is not how we typically fish with a rod and a pole and we can be by ourselves and it's us against the fish. But the context of what Jesus was saying was people with a great big net working together to catch fish. See, people can be caught in the web of our relationships. And you find this, it's kind of the hidden theme throughout the Word of God. We see 
list and list of name after name, right? You, you read through Numbers or you read through Genesis and there's genealogies and there's names and you get to Matthew. I was just reading Matthew this morning and there's these genealogies, there's these names. There's these web of relationships that lead to people finding their place in the kingdom of God. Even in the, in the, even in the disciples, there's these web of relationships. Simon and Andrew are brothers. James and John are Simon or Andrew is first in the other gospel accounts. Andrew is first a disciple of John the Baptist who is a what to Jesus? A cousin. Andrew is a, is a cousin or is um, a follower of the cousin of Jesus. And then he comes and gets Jesus from that relationship. He says, hey, he sees Jesus um, baptized by John the Baptist. And after Jesus is baptized and John the Baptist points Jesus out, Andrew goes to his brother Simon and says, I think we found the Messiah. James and John are brothers. And, and John is also a disciple of the cousin of Jesus. And, and, and he comes from being a disciple of John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, to a disciple of Jesus. James and John in other scriptures are referred to as partners with Peter and Andrew. So, so there's this, and, and let me tell you, start investigating that. Start reading your, your Bible with an eye to the relationships and it will start blowing you away. <laughs> How intertwined these guys were. See, I think sometimes we get this illusion that Here's Peter and, 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 and Andrew and they're fishing and, and this stranger shows up and there's this miraculous catch and they become followers of Jesus. They leave everything because of the miraculous catch of fish. But the truth is, I believe, as I read the Bible, is they're caught in the web of relationship. And, and it's not just a spur of the moment, I'll follow you. But it's knowing Jesus and hearing Jesus and understanding exactly who He is that leads them to leave everything behind and follow. See, it's the same for us. There are people that can be caught in the web of our relationship. But it won't be because we perform some miraculous sign on their behalf. It won't be because we do something that's outstanding or outrageous. But instead, it will be based on relationship and they can begin to see Jesus in you. You know, in your family, at your workplace, people can be caught into the relationship with Jesus through your relationship when you really show who Jesus is where you live. Think about how you came to Christ. Not many of us have come to Christ just out of the blue watching Billy Graham on TV. Most of us, now there's exceptions. You know, I believe the Spirit can work how the Spirit chooses to work. But most of us are caught into relationship with Jesus through relationship with others. You know, a mom or a dad, a grandparent, a brother, a sister, a child, a, a co-worker, a neighbor. Someone has led you into relationship with Christ. And so these web of relationships that people are caught in is, is effective in leading them to Jesus. Last month, Jocelyn's grandmother passed away, and, and Jocelyn plays the keyboard for us quite a bit. And she, 
she um, began coming here, I don't know, it's been a year and a half, two years ago, and when she began to attend the church, she didn't realize the connections she had here. Uh, she, she's, connect, she's a Richwood girl, so she's connected to the Borlands. And as a matter of fact, I believe the church she went to was pastored by Florence's dad or grandfather? Grandfather. And so there, there's this connection with us that she didn't even know was there when she started attending this church. And, and so I was, I was talking to Jocelyn's mom at the visitation, and she was talking about uh, the, the ladies Bible study just, had just went through Romans 15, and Romans 15 is another one of those listings of names. <laughs> you know, the, 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 say, greet this person, and this person greets you, and it's all these names are listed. And she referred to it as the spiritual DNA that each of us have a spiritual DNA that has worked into our life through these web of relationships to make us followers or allow us to be followers of Jesus Christ. So all these things work. If, as, we, as we immerse in others, we immerse with others, all these things are at work as we do this. And, and so there's a couple commitments that I want you to consider as we... Um, talk about this. And the first is, I will pray with others. We have prayer groups that are in the church. And Sue, why don't you stand and wave at them? Sue Timmons is our prayer leader, and she would be happy to plug you into a prayer group or help you start a prayer group. We have at least one prayer group that meets on Friday mornings at 8.30, 9.30, okay. You can be here at 8.30 and pray early, and that's good. Uh, but we have one group that meets at 9.30 on Friday mornings, right back in our, in our prayer room, and we're trying to begin more. Um, I hope that that group prays for the harvest, and I think they do. Uh, there, there's a new group that's beginning Mondays. It's in your bulletin called POW. I want to say that. You guys awake now? That's like from Batman. Uh, praying Optimistic Women, and uh, Karen Moore is kind of, I don't think Karen's in this service, she's in the first service, has kind of um, been the leader of this. And this is a, a prayer walking group. And so you can kill two birds with one stone. You can get some walking in and you can pray and there's some community as well. And, and I'm hoping that we pray uh, for our neighborhoods. We pray evangelistically. We pray for the harvest. And they're going to meet out here and they're going to, you walk as long as you want or as short as you want. If you want to walk for 15 minutes, that's great. If you want to walk for four hours, God, God bless you. But, but pray and walk. And, and you can walk with others. You can walk alone. But, but it's a group that's meeting just for the purpose of praying and walking and ladies being together. And so that, that will start Monday, August 20th at 645. Here's another th thought. What about neighborhood prayer groups? I, I appreciate all the prayer that happens in this church. I, I do. And I believe it's essential and important. But, but what about neighborhood prayer groups? What if we begin to meet with other denominations, other tribes, and begin to pray together? All of us have people in our neighborhood that may not go to this church, but are Christians and followers of Jesus. What would happen, and this sounds like the beginning of a joke, it's not, what would happen if a Baptist, Nazarene, and a Pentecostal begin to pray for their street together? See, I think something dynamic can happen if we begin to see beyond the differences and focus on what brings us together. The truth is, folks, there's not going to be a Nazarene part of heaven. There's not going to be a Baptist part of heaven. There's not going to be a Pentecostal part of heaven. There is going to be a heaven, and we're going to be together. 
And I think if, as a church and as, as, as kingdom people, if we can begin to see beyond what divides us and become a little bit less competitive, I believe God can do something dynamic in our community. Now, now Todd's there, and we're, we're part of Mom, and you already see that happening. And, and they're, they're talking about a, a Revive America, working through Mom. And so there's a lot of those threads that we pray together and we love each other as, as, as leaders already. And, and, and I'm, I'm inviting you. I'm encouraging you. I'm, I'm releasing you. If you have other believers on your street and you want to join together and begin to pray for the harvest and pray for your street, I am releasing you, encouraging you to do that. When kingdom growth becomes the primary objective of God's people, the community and local churches thrive. When our emphasis becomes kingdom and not individual church only, when when we're focused more on the harvest and people finding relationship with Jesus, God can do great things. And then finally, I'll be present with others in public places. And, and, and it's, it's, it's as much infiltrating places as immersing ourselves in places. So, so it's, it's, I will be present with others at Marysville High School football games. Marysville High School soccer games, okay? I will be present with others in our community. I will be, I will be present with others in Uptown Friday nights. Neil Cole in his book, Organic Church, when, when they began to create their organic, organic churches, the first thing they did was they thought, well, we need a Christian coffee shop. Nothing wrong with that. Churches do that and people do that. Nothing wrong with that. But, but Neil Cole said, why don't we try something different? And instead of creating a Christian coffee shop, why don't we just go and be present and claim a coffee shop for Jesus? See, see, there's all sorts of third spaces. They're called third spaces. A, a coffee shop is a third space. Barber shops used to be a third space. These places, park benches, uh, public squares are third places. These places where people gather. What if we as a church just decided, hey, we're going to meet with people and we're just going to be present with others in public places and allow God to work. We will prayerfully engage people and we will seek to turn secular places sacred. You know, it's the story of Acts, by the way. In Acts 2, 42 through 47, it talks about this great influx of the kingdom. And in Acts 42 and 47, it says they were present daily in the temple and the temple courts. And, and we get this idea, this is a holy place and they're at church every day. And, and there is an aspect of that, but there's also an aspect they were where people were. They were not huddled together in their homes separate from everyone else, but they were were where people were. Last month, we had an interesting thing unfold in the news. Was anybody other than me just captivated by the Thailand cave rescue? You know, that was just, you know, I watched that and I was captivated by that. And, you know, I, I was concerned for those kids. You know, there was, what, 13 people, 12 kids, 12 boys that were trapped in a cave and, and water rose and they were trapped and, and they were gone for almost a week before they found them. 
And then they were trying all, you know, at first they were saying, well, we're just going to leave them in there till the waters recede. And, and, but, but then they realized they were going to run out of oxygen because the waters kept rising. And so they decided that they had to dive in with divers and bring those boys out. Did, did you catch how they got them? It wasn't one diver per boy. It was two divers per boy because it was too dangerous to do alone. Can we learn something from a Thailand cave rescue? If it's too dangerous to rescue a group of soccer players from a cave on our own, could it be that it's not safe to try to rescue people from the pit of hell on our own? I'd encourage you, immerse yourself in others, but don't do it alone. Now I'm going to invite Ryan and Mara to close us today with an update on All In. And then since Pastor Josh isn't in this service, would one of you close us in prayer? Uh, why don't you welcome them this morning as they give us an update? Good morning. We're about six weeks into our all-in campaign, and this is going to last for three years. So we are just at the very, very beginning of this, and it has been so encouraging and exciting to see your response, your commitment to this and to what we feel like God is calling us to do in our community. Um, we've already had a lot of exciting things happen. We've got some projects underway, um, but yesterday it was a lot of fun to participate in that free car wash. I'm sure you saw it advertised in the bulletin. And Every person that stopped, you just they just couldn't even believe that we were going to do something for them and not expect something in return. They wanted to give us a donation. They, I mean, some people were aggressively like, no, no, take my money. And it was just such a blessing to be able to say, no, like we're doing this because we want you to know that we love you. We want you to know we love this community and we are just here to serve and to watch our kids help wash cars and to see them find such joy in serving. Just kept reminding me that this is what it's all about. This is what it looks like when, when we go all in, when we do the things that sound crazy to our community to show them how much God really loves them. So this morning, we're just going to share some before and after pictures of a couple of the projects that we've already completed with the all-in funds. And um, when you leave this morning, the banner is still out on the tables. If you weren't able to sign that when we first launched the campaign, or if you weren't ready to sign it yet, you weren't sure what this all meant, it is there. We are going to hang that on the back wall, but we wanted to give you one more opportunity. If you take a look, you're going to see a lot of little kids' signatures on there. Pastor Kim has been talking about this with our kids. And let me tell you, they are all in. They are so excited for what it means to really dive in and serve Jesus. They've set some goals. Um, Pastor Kim could tell you more about that, but they're even contributing. They want to be part of this. So see if you can catch your kid's name on there. And if you would uh, want to sign that, that's out there for you too. All right. So first, we just wanted to talk a, a little bit about the projects that have already been completed to date. Um, We've already done the parking lot. I think we mentioned this last time we had an update. Uh, it cost us $44,000, which, uh, you know, I think everyone knows we're trying to raise one hundred twenty grand over three years. Uh, that's a third of it, you know. Uh, and a lot of that goes into the fact that we didn't just skim the surface. We actually dug up the, the, the asphalt and did it the right way rather than um, just getting the skim off because the, everything was draining the wrong way. A lot of it was draining towards the church. And actually, I've got a little souvenir here. Anyone know what this is? 
I did not pull this up after they started excavating. This was actually pulled up before. So that's how bad our parking lot, uh, parking lot's shape was in. Um, so th we did that, and then we also did the steeple repair, um, which cost us about $2,900. Um, go ahead and show the slides of the parking lot if you could. So I actually took a, a picture of uh, our church service on Sunday morning. It's the top right. Those are actual vehicles before the repair. Um, and then that, that is an actual earth mover trying to get the, no, uh, those are, those are my kids' cars. Oh. But I think it's easy to forget just how damaged our parking lot was before the update. So these pictures hopefully serve, uh, as memory of what it looked like before the update. And Meryl, if you could show the, the overall view, you could see there's a lot of repair work that had been done, um, over the years. And, you know, again, like I said, it was draining the wrong way. It was draining towards the church rather than away from. And, and now if we look at the picture of what it looks like today, as you can tell, it's, it's beautiful. You know, that comes at a cost. And so, you know, that's a large part of what we're trying to raise this money for. That was a third of what we were trying to do. Um, and then we can go ahead and flash over to the other slides. Um, you could tell uh, when you see a, the zoom up of the beam here that the, there was a lot of paint chipping. Um, the doors out front hadn't been taken care of for many, many years, so we needed to get those repaired. It's hard to see on the steeple picture, but the steeple was actually cracking in spots. And so it wasn't just repainting the steeple, it was actually uh, repairing the steeple as well. Um, so if you want to show the after pictures, we've got those as well. You know, it's bright white, looks nice. Um, and the steeple is now painted and, and repaired. Meryl, if you could just go to the last slide. And then last time we spoke, about six weeks ago, uh, we had about thirty dollars to $35,000 raised. Uh, through everyone's commitments over the last six weeks, uh, we already have 65% of the funds committed for the $120,000 that we're trying to raise. And we're, yeah, go ahead. And so we have 78 grand that's already been committed of the 120. You know, Mara and I, and I, you know, I think everyone in this congregation's hope is that next time we stand up here, that we're all, you know, the, you guys don't see any more of the gray box. You know, you see it all filled in with blue. And so, you know, there's still time to, to donate. This campaign is going to be going on for three years. I don't think we're doing the commitment cards in the, um, in the, handouts on the way in anymore. But if you want to give, you know, you guys have, you can talk to me, you can talk to Harold, talk to Pastor. Uh, we've got commitment cards that we could, um, you know, still give out, I think. And uh, there's boxes. Yes, there's, thank you, Pastor. There's donation boxes on both sides of the sanctuary. So feel free to drop those in if you guys still want to donate. Um, you know, it's absolutely not too late. Thank you. So the best part about this being a three-year campaign is, like Ryan said, it's never too late to jump in, and the math teacher in me is trying to figure out, okay, well, wait, if we get to over 100%, you can't really show that on a pie chart, so we'll have to get creative for something else to show you when um, we just feel like God is going to blow this goal out of the water. Um, so thank you again for your faithfulness. Thank you for your um, 
excitement and getting involved with this. Um, I would like to look at our prayer board on the back. There are still time slots if you would like to join us in praying for this. I think that's just where it begins, is just bathing this whole thing in prayer. So um, next time you see us, we will be um, having some all-in t-shirts that will be available. We're also looking to get some running shirts for those of you who are embarking on that journey with Pastor Paul. We want to have that available for you as well. Um, Some upcoming projects uh, we have kind of in the works are remodeling a few of our classrooms, just doing some facelifts, some painting, just some things to uh, freshen them up as we're looking to start a new school year. And if you're ready to jump in and get involved, we've got a couple of upcoming service opportunities. Friday nights uptown, like Pastor was mentioning, is a great place that you will see people you know, I can guarantee you. Our, na- our community is not made up of strangers. We go to doctors here, we shop here. You will see these people at uptown Friday nights. So I really encourage you to sign up for a, a, vo- a volunteer slot and, and enjoy getting to make those connections. We also are partnering with a few other churches for a serve day which is coming up on September 29th. So we're hoping to supply a large group of volunteers that we will just go out in our community and meet needs that are there. So um, as you look at the back wall when you uh, leave today, you might notice there's a few more people, little cutouts on the wall. Just a reminder, each of those people represents $1,000 that's been committed. And we chose the people as a way to remind us, this is not about money, this is not about our building, this is about us going all in because we know that there are lost people here in Marysville that God is calling us to reach. And the most exciting part is some of those people on the back wall have little red hearts taped to their chests this morning, and those red hearts represent the nine kids from VBS who made a decision to live for Jesus. That's what it's all about. I hope we get to the point where we don't even have enough people up there to put hearts on and we're doubling and tripling up because I just know that God is going to take this and do more with it than we could ever imagine. I invite you to pray with me this morning as we close. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are just so in awe of you, Lord. We are humbled that you see fit to use us, Lord, to build your kingdom here in Marysville. God, I pray that you would show us where we can be all in for you, Lord, in exactly the place that you've put us. Lord, help us to see that our mission field is the people that are around us, the people that we are in contact with day in and day out. Lord, I pray that you would, through your Holy Spirit, just open those conversations, Lord, deepen those relationships to allow us to really live out our faith to people around us. God, I pray you would be with everyone here this morning, Lord, as we leave and we go into our own, our work days, Lord, our routines, Lord, that you would remind us that you are there with us in all of it, Lord, that you will use every opportunity that we give to you. Lord, we just love you so much, and we thank you again for this group of people, Lord, and for the call you have placed on our hearts. In Jesus' precious name, amen.